Welcome to the Feminine Truth Podcast with Mary Miranda, a place where you can reconnect with your wild, cyclical, and fierce truth. I am Mary Miranda, a mentor, coach, healer, and intuitive. I guide women on a journey of remembrance, reconnection, and embodiment of who they are, their essence, power, and truth by reawakening the power of their feminine energy, womb, and menstrual cycles. Join me each week to indulge in raw, unedited, and unfiltered topics to help women own and step into their divine feminine truth and become unshakable, unapologetic, and bold in who they truly are. Let's jump into today's conversation. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Feminine Truth Podcast with myself, Mary Miranda. And today I have the beautiful Robin um, here with us. Welcome, Robin. Ah, thank you, Mary, so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I think this is such a wonderful opportunity for two ladies to get together and share some stories. It's It's been um, quite a journey to get to where I am now, and I'm, I'm really pumped this week to be unapologetically sharing all these like little little truths about me and my life and and what led me here to kind of help the the, the collective <laughs> we'll say that i'm so excited to be here that you're here with me um on this podcast and i do know i want you to tell the listeners who you are and a little bit about your story i do know you're the empowerment witch which i really love that title <laughs> so why don't you share with us more about you and how you got started on this journey yeah, this is quite quite a story to try to package into a little riff, but I guess to to sum it up, I had had this pattern going in my life of just always finding myself in very disempowering situations, whether that be when, you know, as as a young child growing up in a house with an alcoholic and through my teenage years just finding myself in in so many like traumatic situations and continuing on that cycle to you know getting married in my early 20s to an alcoholic as well and in being in a very uh, abusive relationship that led into um you know i i went into another relationship after that it was kind of a pattern of running away from myself really and um i ended up in a car accident in my late twenties, which left me pretty disabled. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, concussion, severe whiplash. I I went from running like tough mutters and lifting weights to looking at canes and had to kind of experience like a complete ego death and total surrender. And I had had this story of like Robin was always the victim in every circumstance and with the car accident I was t-boned at an intersection so really it was like the biggest um experience for me to be able to claim that and especially when you're when you're dealing with um like the legal system and I'm I'm in Ontario Canada when when you're in a car accident like that there's like a monetary value on how victimized you were and you go in and you tell that story over and over again in the process because I couldn't work, right? So I was kind of tied to um, this system for a bit that eventually I, if if I could like walk and talk and own 
that victim's story, I would, I would get a monetary gain. And it really took me looking at my entire life and the pattern of, of me being a victim and always being disempowered to waking up one day and choosing, I will never, I will never be a victim ever again. And, and it just took me like reclaiming my health, getting off all the medications, like getting out of that legal, um, situation as well just being like I don't want to do this it, it doesn't matter what what I think I'll gain from having this story and wearing it like a badge I don't want to do this anymore and that was like the first day towards my empowerment and the journey of empowerment and when I started to heal my body I would have to meditate to get my pain levels to come down and it just opened up this entire new world for me Things, things started shifting very quickly. I started finding myself in supportive groups of like women to um, open up my gifts and, and practice. And it just kind of led from like one, one modality to another. And I kind of started, like I, I found essential oils and got off the medications. And then I found like inner child healing. And it was this like beautiful journey of unlearning everything I had learned up until this point. And as I was healing, my, my life was healing too. Like everything around me started shifting and changing. And I started getting these little hints of what I would be doing uh, to help others. Because I'm like, with all the experiences I've been through, what it felt like it wouldn't have been worth it if I didn't take it and use it to help others. And that kind of became my passion. And I started doing readings for people while I was healing, like I was doing them from my bed. <laughs> and um, on days where I, I felt like, you know, I was in too much pain and I couldn't do anything. I still had this like mission and this inspiration to help others. And I just started getting so much feedback and referrals. And before I knew it, I had, a business and it was it was incredible because how do I want to word this like just from when I look at like where I was to where I am now and I'm really healthy now <laughs> and feeling so good um it was it was all from like having this this vision and wanting to like empower women to, to live their best lives, to, to choose themselves, to be really grounded, like having one foot in both worlds. And that's where I feel like, you know, the empowerment is really like in your body, mind and spirit. So I tried to break myself down into a niche, but I couldn't because I had such a love for, for that, those foundations and for the different ways that I work with people. And through that love, the empowerment, which was born, and it was really just this process of, of reclaiming all of these parts of myself that I had abandoned along the way. And yeah, I know that was a long story, but it's really hard to like put in like how, how I went from like there to, to now. And I think the cool part about my services is like the empowerment vibe is weaved into everything I offer. So I do like psychic readings and it's, it's like a beautiful intuitive container that I just open up with God, source, universe, whatever um, resonates with you. And uh, I let spirit lead the way. So that may be inner child healing or a deceased loved one may come in. We may go into a past life and it's been pretty transformative. It's, it's definitely like a, a unique style, but 
I, I kind of just walk into a session blindfolded and I'm just there in service. So I do that and past life regression as well. And uh, I just started an intuitive support group. So I'm really excited about that too. Wow. This have, you have gone through such a journey. And I think it's pretty amazing when we are at rock bottom or experiencing such a difficult situation that that is the where we start our path of awakening and reclaiming our power and reclaiming all of ourselves and doing this work. I had a similar path that after leaving toxic relationships, that, that was my awakening. I was so asleep during my 20s and everything started unfolding from there. I started with meditation like you. I started doing little things and one thing led to the other and now I'm here. And it's just like, how did this happen? <laughs> so I can totally when somebody asks you about your story you're like oh where do I start and it's like all these things weaved together that have made this path to lead where you are right now so I really I'm so excited that you share that with us because it's a very empowering path and I cannot even imagine the accident and how that must have been feeling for you yeah absolutely I have so many chills <laughs> <laughs> um the the accident was you know it was like the the ultimate tower moment in life mm -hmm. and i've really grown to love the tower card in the the tarot deck and for anyone who doesn't know what that card is it's like there's like a tower and there's lightning striking down and there's people like jumping out of the tower because it's it's like it's feared it's almost like the death card like, oh no, I don't want to see that. Everybody's like freaking out, it's like very catastrophic, but it could be, it could have this empowering meaning, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it really taught me um, going through the experiences that I had that there's no such thing as a good thing or a bad thing. Because, you know, if I would have known about that car accident and what I'd be going through for the, the years following, you could never get me to like willingly walk into that. It would have been terrifying. But looking back, it was the greatest gift I could have ever been given because I learned myself. I was able to, you know, peel back the layers of like who I thought I was before it because I was just selling makeup and fragrance. And I, I really would have just stayed where I was not knowing this entire like different side of me. So let me ask you a question. How old were you when you had that moment of enough and you started reclaiming yourself? Was that around your Saturn return? Actually, it was right around then. I think I was 28 years old. Okay. I, I've heard it be, or I've heard it referred to as a Saturn return. And, mm -hmm. and I haven't really learned a lot about astrology. But when I looked into like the deeper meanings of that, I'm like a thousand percent. Yes, that, that is definitely what happened. But it was, it was so incredible. And it was like my biggest teacher thus far, because I understood people on the deepest levels when you're in that amount of pain and you have to like move through it. And especially with a condition like fibromyalgia, mm -hmm. like I had um, nerve pain all over my body like stabbing nerve pain. It wasn't that there was like a, a hardware problem in my body. It was a software problem. So my brain perceived like threats at like level 10. So my pain levels were just absolutely amplified and pain medication really didn't touch it because there wasn't anything actually wrong in the body ex except for my neck. But 
I had to learn to like dance with pain, like very, very physical pain. And there was this one morning where I was, I woke up and my body was flared up in so much pain. I, it hurt to breathe. I didn't even think I could get out of bed. And then I had this like thought come into my head. I'm like, well, how does someone think who doesn't have this? And then I'm like, well, they would probably get up and dance in the morning to celebrate their amazing life. So I found myself like just, it was pure mindset <laughs> getting up. I'm like, I'm putting on a song and I am going to dance with the pain, through the pain and for it. And it was the most liberating thing I think I've ever done. And it was so transformative with my relationship with pain. And it was almost like the pain levels kind of like, eased off through the dance it was it was so incredible and now anytime like these these things come up which is very few and far between I just dance with it like actually <laughs> learn to move with it and through it and you know um I was gonna ask you because when you say that um how much you were in so much pain. I was like, it's kind of like your liberation of that pain when you were dancing. It was kind of like you were oppressed or caged by the pain. I don't know, or restrained. And when you started moving your body, it's like your, that's what your body needed. It's, I don't know why it feels like that. <laughs> oh, it does. I, I felt like my body was the prison mm -hmm. because like, I couldn't move. Like I would try to go into stores and I couldn't even walk. I'd have to like hang off a shopping cart and that's when one day I'm like, I have to go look at canes and I was just devastated that I, I couldn't even walk, um, going for a walk around the block. Like I would get stuck halfway and my ex would have to like help me hobble home and, and it just felt, it felt impossible and hopeless at times, but I had to not fear it anymore and, and not, and it was kind of like having, having reverence for my body that it was it was afraid like my, I was, it was like it, I got stuck in a moment in time and it was just I needed to love myself through it not be angry at the body or or feel like it is a prison it was the mindset shift that really helped me break free mm -hmm. and and it's just been beautiful ever since like my relationship with my body is so so nurturing kind of like becoming the the mother of your own body and giving yourself so much love and, and nurture and being in tune like when I think of intuition not only in like the the psychic sense like what I would do in a reading I think it's like well what does my body need today getting in tune with that knowing what you need and if you need to slow down because for me like if if my body is not happy nothing is going to happen that day. <laughs> so I, I think it's really important to like treat the body like a temple. And I have so much respect for it now. Yeah. And speaking of that, I didn't have like the same journey as you did, but I was misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia. Um, I had this very intense pain. It felt like they were twisting my nerves and my muscles like twisting them that's what it felt and it burned and it was really really painful and it was basically in my quads and my biceps and tricep areas that's it 
that's the only part. And it was more when I was stressed, but I didn't know this. And everything happened around my toxic relationship. So when I left that, I went to the doctor and they would only give me narcotics. I went to so many medical doctors, Western medicine, and nobody would give me a diagnosis. So then I went with a functional medicine doctor and he said, you have fibromyalgia. But you know how with fibromyalgia, it's like the touch test. Like it didn't really hurt like that, but I felt like I was burning inside. So when I started reconnecting with my body and doing a lot of energetic work and everything and just really having this reverence and saying, I'm sorry, I've been so angry at you. That's when like the pain started leaving my body and it's only come back a few times, but I couldn't even wear tight clothes. I couldn't even wear jeans or nothing, nothing tight. It would be, I would be in so much pain. So I cannot even imagine with the actual diagnosis of fibromyalgia and so many people identify with their illness. And for you to be doing this work of liberation through dancing, it was kind of like rebelling against your this condition that you were diagnosed with and you didn't let it identify you, which so many people struggle with that because they make the, their illness their identity and they attach to it so bad that I feel like it perpetuates the pain more and more and more. And with those illnesses, I think, did you ever struggle with people telling you it was all in your head or it was like you were just making it up? Oh, I did. I'll, t I'll make one note on you saying like with the identity, one of the key factors in my healing was stop. I had to stop saying my fibromyalgia. Yeah. I now I'm like, I was diagnosed with it, but I do not own that. I do not claim that. <laughs> in fact, it's not part of my, my life or reality at all. And it was, it was huge because that rippled out into my anxiety or whatever, you know, label I could attach myself to. I started seeing where I was claiming it. I'm like, I'm not going to fight for my limitations anymore. Um, and I used my, my stubborn energy to just create better and do better and, and feel better. And that, that shift right there is just mind-blowing. It takes a little bit to like embody that. But when you can start catching yourself in those thoughts, it's huge. It's very powerful and very simple. No, I believe you. And I think it's also part of the being in this victim story. And when you kept telling your story and it kept, it kept you on that loop of being a victim and you kept like playing it, you know? And I feel like people, I used to be in this very victim mentality, like energy, mindset, everything. Everything was happening to me, poor little me, you know, dance all in distress and all of that. And when I detached from that, when I started taking ownership and everything, like, it's like, oh my God, I've been addicted to the drama, to the complaining, negativity. And that's how I used to connect with people. That's how I used to connect with even my sister, even family members. I used to connect with them. Oh, I'm in so much pain. Oh, I'm doing this. And that was my connection to them. That was the source of our conversations. And when I stopped, the relationship was not there. There was no relationship. And I realized that I was connecting with people through my victim story, through my drama, my complaining, my negativity, my pain, everything me. And when I started taking ownership and responsibility, even my relationships, some of my relationships ended and some are just like very random high and by. And it was just part of this. It's like, oh my God, like that version of me had to die. And with that, a lot of people died too in my life. And it's sad, but I don't know if that ever happened to you. 
that you lost people when you became empowered and when you started healing and doing this work? I I had to yeah say goodbye to so so many things in my life. <laughs> um, my past relationship actually uh, I was in a four year relationship, and I think it was like within the first year I moved in with him, the accident happened and the difference in like who I was at the beginning to the end I had to leave the relationship because I had just changed so much and I had to start choosing myself and filling my cup and, and that meant saying no to a lot of people and then you're right like it reflects into all these areas of your life and I would catch myself um on the phone with my sisters and and the way we trauma bonded especially over our childhood like we would just go on, like, get on the phone to complain and to, you know, talk crap about this person or this person. It was so gossipy, and I would leave the conversations just feeling angry and drained. And it was always about like our our victimhood. Mm-hmm. And I saw that in my friendships. I saw it everywhere, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this this was just plastered all over my life. And I started becoming like very conscious, and I I think like the way I, I'm really conscious of like in t- living intentionally and paying attention to like, does, do I feel expanded here or do I feel contracted? Mm-hmm. And that um, uh, thing that I've heard is you're, you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. So, you know, I'm like, is this polluting my energy <laughs> or is this like expanding me and, and calling me up? into my highest self always and I've been so intentional now with like the people I have around me and the you know even the tv I listen or watch and the music I listen to the podcasts I plug into I love like there's a vibe that I like being in and if it feels like anything less I'm like I do not give my energy to that anymore because I know where you put your energy it grows and and I've loved the life that I have uh, crafted now and I, I'm just protective of it with so much love and respect for people who are in those states too, because I needed those versions of me to have that polarity to see, okay, I know what that feels like. And I know what this feels like. And if you come to me and you're still in one of those states, let me take your hand and show you how beautiful life really can be. Because yeah. sometimes we just don't know. It's like the path of reclamation. And it's kind of like, I think when we were um, getting ready for this podcast interview, when we were talking about, oh, what are we going to like com- have a conversation about? You said some, we were discussing something about reclaiming a past version of ourselves that we have been ashamed of. And it's like, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. It takes a lot of work to look at a version of ourselves that has done so many things that we are ashamed of we regret there's the guilt there's like all this energy that is very dense attached to that how do you go about reclaiming and forgiving that path how have you done it for yourself oh there's so many layers to this Mm -hmm. I lived in this like constant state of running from myself for so long and I just kept it was like there would be this like traumatic event in my life and then I would almost like subconsciously just create one after another after another and it was like just self-abandonment and running from my wounds and not knowing 
how to care for myself or cre- create better. And, and I look back at the things I've done. And one thing that I, we've talked about, like we're talking about like sexual reclamation or reclamation and kind of like taboos in society and really me making friends with my shadow. Well, I'll, I'll take a step back here. I did a meditation a while ago and I had to have a picnic with my shadow. That's what spirit led me to do. So there's like, you know, me on one side of the picnic and I'm in like my cute little flower shawl and I'm drinking like cute tea and it's so lovely and bright over there. And right across from me is like the past versions of myself all into this one very dark girl. And it's like, I can see all the thoughts she has that I'm like, I don't want to think that or the places I've been in. I'm just sitting there and it's almost like there's a screen separating the two of us. And then it's like spirits, like you are going to sit here until you can love her, until you are not triggered by her, until you can, you can just be here with her. And that was hard because I wanted to get up from that, that spirit picnic and just leave because I was just so appalled and, and angry at that, those versions of myself for everything I had done. And it was like one of the most beautiful experiences and emotional to really just sit there and and look at her and understand her and eventually have conversations. And it was it's kind of like inner child healing, but it was like the the inner shadow healing. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was gorgeous and beautiful because my relationship with shadow has has really just been I felt like I walked in the underworld for a long time. In my, my late teens, I, I worked in the adult industry for a little bit. Um, that, that was tough. I was in kind of like the, the fetish communities and I worked at a strip club at one point as a server. Just, I wanted to be in these like darker places and like I'm all for empowered sexuality, but this was very disempowered. This is because I was so lost and I was sourcing my validation from, you know, from men, from money, from just kind of what I had like almost seen as a child because my mom always had men around and it was like her worth was tied to the, the men that she kept around. And, and if there wasn't a guy there, she would go find one and I watched it and I watched it and I just, I thought that was the only way that I could, you know, be, be loved or worthy or accepted. And I just took that pattern and, and played out all of these situations. And, you know, I ended up in, in a really like horrific marriage and there was a lot of abuse in it. And I would like try to leave and I'd end up in women's shelters and it was so, so hard like when I feel like when I say the underworld like I really felt like I was in the very very dark place in my in my life and it felt like I could never crawl out of that that hole I had dug myself into and once I had had the accident I started getting these like nudges that like I'm going to be going into spirituality and I really became that like very love and light woman for a while and I think a lot of it was kind of like me bypassing the the actual healing I really needed to do because I had done you know a lot of forgiveness work and I, I had tried to forgive myself but I was still hiding 
these things I had done because like, you know, cancel culture is a thing. And, and I have things on the internet right now that I so badly, you know, I wish that I could take it down. I wish I could make it disappear, but that's, that's not my path and it's out of my control right now. And I don't want to be ashamed of it. And when I started coming out and talking about my experiences um, and kind of like the paradox of like, yes, I'm a spiritual teacher and I worked in the adult industry. Um, I thought I would be really harshly judged and I was really, really scared of doing it, but I could feel myself empowered by doing so. And then as I began having these conversations, like I just started feeling so much love for like 18 year old Robin. And I'm like, she's so proud of me right now. And I'm proud of her. And when I, I do these things and I talk about these things and have like a discussion like today, like I get to wear the different versions of myself, like a badge of honor. And my DMs are so full of messages from women who have, you know, worked in, in different type of like the adult industries from a disempowered place, or even if they're doing it and they love it, they're just like so happy somebody's out there like talking about it, giving them permission to be themselves. And it's kind of like this huge, like feminine empowerment to just be okay with who we are and to never feel like we're a second class citizen because of something we've done. I, I, I held so much guilt and shame over this and I really, I, I was afraid to use my voice because I wanted to be small so nobody could ever take what I have done and use it against me or try to hurt me with it, which, you know, it, it had been done in the past. Um, and I just, I feel like it's the most badass thing I can do to just like love all of the things I've done in that, in that picnic with my shadow was kind of like this huge turning point because I had to sit with her. Yeah. In, in these things that, you know, society may really judge you for. And uh, I, I've decided that's, that's what I'm going to be loved for. That is so amazing. And it's the hardest thing to sit and experience all the shame, all the regret, the guilt, all those feelings and facing yourself. And like you said, you self-abandoned. So when we abandon ourselves, we don't even want to see ourselves. So you forcing yourself in a, in a way to sit there with your shadow and look at her is so that you finally see her, you felt her, you were witnessing her. And I feel, I do have a few friends who are still in the adult industry and it's mainly because of the money. It's easy money. It's, um, you know, and there's no judgment in that. I think everyone is on the path they're supposed to be. And even if we regret something we did in our past, somehow that was meant to be for us. Even if we were forced to make that decision from, you know, we were desperate for money or something or whatever, somehow that's meant to be part of your story, you know? And I feel like this is what I've talked to one of my friends is that when she's up there um, dancing, like men see her, she gets the validation. She's getting the self-esteem, the confidence. She feels empowered and it's like all these exhilarating feelings that you get and the money and everything but it's also like you are absorbing the energy of those people the desperate energy of those people that are there the men that are there sometimes women right and 
it's just like you also have to detach from that energetically but um it's so empowering that you have been able to move through that and forgive your past versions of yourself and and just the shame that comes from so many women who are in the adult industry and who want to leave and who leave and they just don't they're so ashamed of it because of the judgment of society because they're going to be labeled as sluts as whores or whatever you know like for example for me i'm latina so it's very rare to see a latina in those places and it's just like how society has dimmed or has portrayed women that if they do they they do any type of that there's they're not worthy they're not enough did you ever experience that from men or from people who especially men that have known the your past have they judged you for it oh absolutely i've been called every name mm. in the book and uh it's it was something that i i really hid from and i, I took to heart for a long time, I felt like I was those things, which is why I tried to hide it and like clean up my social media and make sure there was like no traces of my past. And, and it was tough because you, you become objectified. And even now, sometimes I like to post like more risky things, but there are still people objectifying me. But I feel like because I've learned boundaries, like say, like even with like, you're talking about energy and like these women on the stage, like they're, they're almost being like bombarded by a lot of energy just being up there. And it's really intrusive. Like you need to be so rooted and strong to not be affected by it. And I feel like I feel that way now. Like I feel very tall and strong and it, it kind of gives me more fire in my belly for the women who who aren't there yet, who let it have control over them or let, let these things kind of sway them with the, the wind of opinions and uh, judgments. Yeah. And yeah, it, it is, what do I even want to say about that? Um, we're always going to be judged no yeah. matter what. And I kind of just learned, I'm like, this the louder I get, the more this, you know, could come up for me. And, and I have to get really, really cool with that and really, really confident in my message and know like why I am doing what I'm doing. And I feel like with my ego aside, like I'm here in service and I have this mission. And the, the more authentic and true I get about where I've been in life, the more my path is like unveiling itself, like my podcast, I wanted it to be just about spirituality, but I started noticing my DMs were filling up with like authentic conversations like this. And people wanted a place to come and share their stories and talk about the taboos and the shadow in society and have like a safe place to just be. And, and then I, I you know, my, my whole like idea of what, you know, being in alignment meant to me because you know we see it a lot in in the spiritual communities and i love what you said about like we can't judge people's path like if somebody is working in the adult industry right now who are we to judge them we have no idea where that will lead them in life or if it's good or bad like honestly some of the the darkest places in my life have like 
sorry, some of the darkest places in my life have been the most medicinal. And they have taught me to craft a very potent medicine for others because it's my unique experience that I can, you know, pull from and help them and, and lead the way forward. And I think that's important to recognize that we're all, we're all here on a unique path. My, my mentor, Stella Grace, uh, said to me, because she used to be a stripper, and she said her mystery school teachings began on the stage. Wow. And I thought that was so beautiful. And it is so true because you learn so much. You learn about humans. And I think really when you are in the underworld, there's no room for judgments anymore because you start realizing everybody has a story. And to survive there, you need to hear the stories. You want to, you start wanting to talk to people like the, the husband that, you know, attends the strip club, you kind of want to talk to him. You're like, what's his story? It opens up like an entirely new realm of perception and understanding and kind of seeing people not just as adults, but as their wounded inner child. Oh and God. you're like, there's so much healing that that can happen in the world. And that's where a lot of my passion for people and my acceptance of, you know, who they are, where they are, where they've been from, being okay with shadow it all it all stemmed from trying to understand humans yes. because if yeah sorry you, know, you mentioned something that is just i told one of my friends i'm like it's like um people who work in the adult industry especially at strip clubs or gentlemen's club they're like healers in a way because she was saying how the men that go there they're lonely they just want to be heard they want someone to talk to they just go there because they're not getting they're not being appreciated at home or they, there's this emptiness in them. And then when they go and talk to like the cocktail waitress or the stripper or whatever, you know, it, it kind of makes their day better. So in a way you do make them like you heal them a little bit, but still it's still this unmet need that that person needs to heal within themselves. But I do believe that there's the healing happening starts there somehow and the awareness that, oh my God, that you realize that those people are not pervs or well, some are, you know, but <laughs> a lot of them are just going there because they feel empty. They feel lonely. They just want someone to talk to. That's what she says the most. My friend, she's like, yeah, they just want someone to talk to. That's all they want. They don't want anything else. They just want to be heard. And I was like, oh my God, really? She's like, yeah. I'm like, Wow. And you see the human side of those people that go there and you don't judge them that much, you know? And I think no one has the right to judge your choices or whatever you choose to do with your body. And if you want to go and dance, I feel like, I don't know why this is coming up, that a lot of women don't know how to move their bodies. <laughs> so that's part of why there's, we're so sexually suppressing many, so many women and I feel like when you are a stripper or when you are up there or when you work in this industry, it kind of helps you being sexually empowered. I don't know if that happened to you, but I just feel like there's this energy that really helps you step into your sexual power where a lot of women, we lack of that. That's such a cool image I have in my head of like, yeah, reclamation through these like erotic dances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be so powerful. It really can. And honestly, some of like 
my favorite experiences are like in my kitchen with some tribal music on and like, you know, grinding down and (laughs) really getting like just familiar with my body. Like we don't have to be on a stage to just feel like sexy as fuck. Like I, I'm having so much fun, like taking it to that, those like next steps. And we see a lot in our communities of like getting turned on by life and what that really means to not for sexuality to not just be, you know, what, what's between our legs. And it's like taking those concepts and really like embodying it and living it. And I wrote like a poem that I posted on my social media about getting uh, turned on by life. And it was, it was like erotic innocence as well. And I thought that was cool, but it was really like learning to get back in our bodies and move and, if you want to put on some lingerie and nobody's home and dance in front of the mirror and like just see yourself and get used to yourself and be okay with like being a sexual being and that's that's okay we're just i think we see a lot like sexuality is really what we see in movies and tv and and, and in porn but it can be so so delicate and so beautiful too and it it can be by ourselves and I think that's really important because for a long time I thought I can only be sexual if I had like a man or somebody watching me or I can only be beautiful if I dressed up and and somebody was like going to see me or see my images online and learning to like do it just for me has been has been really healing especially when I was coming from a place of like always sourcing it from uh, what people saw me as, if that makes sense. Yes, 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 it does, it does. Because when we start doing this work and giving everything, we're outsourcing, like doing it for ourselves, it's just like a whole different type of self-love. Like, I don't think people understand what it's like to dance for you, to self-pleasure, or to buy yourself flowers, or to take yourself out for dinner, or, you know, to look in the mirror and just put makeup on for you, or dress for you. I think I was at the same place that you were. Like, I was dressing up because I was going to go out on a date, or because I was, a man was going to see me, or I was going to, oh, this is the funniest thing, because I used to only put makeup on when I was going to do Facebook Lives. And it got to the point that my niece, she's nine years old now, one day I was, I had makeup on and I was FaceTiming her and she's like, oh, auntie, are you going to do a Facebook live? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, that is so bad that people only know that I put makeup on and I get ready when I'm going to be on camera. Like I should just be doing this like every day for me. And I started doing that and people would be like, are you doing a Facebook live? Are you going out? I'm like, no, I'm just putting on makeup today. And it just kind of became like a normal, a normal until it just became part of my lifestyle. But it just like the dancing, just like the owning my body, just like the doing things for me, it's so fulfilling that I don't really need someone else, somebody else to do it for me. And that's when I feel like that's more empowering when we do it for ourselves because we're healing and then we're helping other women see the same though you can do everything for yourself in a way. Yeah. I love that you mentioned buying yourself flowers. <laughs> that has been like the most most romantic thing I do for myself. <laughs> it's my non-negotiable. I always have fresh flowers on the table because it just makes me feel like so beautiful. And I don't know. I love it. I love kind of becoming the one 
that I was kind of I was looking for that whole time I am I am like my best friend and my best lover and yeah kind of like the mother of my own life now and I I really really dig that like that turns me on <laughs> yeah I I honestly for the all my 20s, I didn't know who I was. I didn't love myself. I had no self-worth, no confidence. And I feel like this is the only regret I have, that regret that I wasted so many years not doing anything for me. And right now I'm in my late 30s and it's like, I'm just like doing things for me. Sometimes like it doesn't even have to be like going out. Just experience of knowing that I love me and that I'm doing something for me, even if it's just preparing like a delicious meal for me, just working out for me. Cause I like how I feel in my body. When I work out, I like taking care of me. That has made such a huge difference for me because it's like, wow. I'm like, how come I didn't do this in my twenties? Why I was so asleep. <laughs> and it's like, I wish more women like took this journey and started doing this but it's like a lot of women are still very asleep and we just have to they just have to do it at their own timing you know and it sucks that for a lot of us sometimes it's like we have to hit rock bottom to wake up and to do something for ourselves so i was going to ask you something that really intrigued me is that you're a psychic yeah yeah would you like to know more about yes. what i do i yes and more importantly how did you awaken your gifts or what happened i was going to ask you this like toward the beginning but then we just like you know went a whole different path but i was i love people that are very intuitive very psychic and it's just like for me it's something that i'm working on developing more of my gifts waking my gifts more um, so I just want to know how you found out you were psychic, that you have this gifts, like how did you, how, how everything happened? <laughs> oh, this is another big story, but <laughs> I'll try not to go too long. Um, it's interesting because looking back, it was always there. Like the gifts were always there. And I, I think a lot, like with a lot of people, this is the case too. So we're always taught that the things that we know are what we can like memorize from a book or find evidence for. And our imagination, it's like, oh, hey, you little kid there, stop daydreaming. But it is, you know, in the imagination or in that realm where we go to daydream that my information really comes in. And learning and understanding that, that landscape really was what, open things up for me and I I think back like this whole time like I was always seeing images in my head I was always hearing things and feeling things like all of this stuff was always there I just didn't know what I was even looking for because the way I describe it is like say you're in a courtyard and it's full of people and there's like this little bell ringing off in the distance it's so hard to hear with the noise and all the chaos going around going on around you so once you're able to initially like hear that bell off in the distance you can tune in very fast because you know where to find it you know where it is and eventually it just becomes you know so loud you're like oh cool I'm just uh, the bell's ringing and um I guess for me 
it kind of started with like I went to a mediumship gallery. It was like a psychic. This the psychic medium was doing a big gallery. There's probably like 50 people there, and uh, I got invited to go because somebody at my work dropped out. Like a bunch of people from work bought all in to go into it. I wasn't originally going, but somebody dropped out and they had an extra ticket. So they're like, hey, do you want to go, Robin? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll go. But I didn't really buy into it too much. Um, I was, I was kind of skeptical. I mean, I'd always been like very curious. Like I had tarot decks when I was like 13 and would be in the spiritual shops, but my life was too chaotic for me to ever even know what to do with any of it or my curiosities. So it was always on the back burner. But um, so I go to the show and she's doing like the most incredible evidential mediumship and just completely blowing my mind. Like we're not talking about, mm, I have a grandma here. It was like facts. But yeah, it completely blew my mind. And I'm just kind of sitting there so fascinated by her. And then towards the end of it, she comes up to me and for everybody else, she did like mediumship, but instead she's like, you, I'm like, what about me? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, you're not crazy, Robin. You're just very gifted. And then she kind of went into my energy and she wrote down her name and her phone number and uh, like email address. It's like, you need to contact me. So she's like, you need to get a hold of me and uh, I'll send you some resources. So it was kind of interesting because at work, like all of my colleagues were with me. So suddenly I'm like the talk of my like uh, store that I was working in. Everybody's like, ooh, Rathlin's gifted. I'm like, I don't know what any of you guys are talking about. This is weird. And then so this lady sends me, you know, like Kundalini Awakening and Indigo Children and talking about like different ways that I could like use my gifts because she said they were almost activate or they were working almost against me because they're so untapped and I felt like I was losing my mind because I would I would be having all these like knowings about people and things and people just thought it was kind of spooky and I I thought I was spooky too like I don't know why I know that I just feel that (laughs) and um it was actually one day this one really really woke me up to like how information comes in I was driving down a back road, which I had done every day because I would drop off my son to daycare. And my ex-husband showed me this like old back road and there was like this train that would always go by. Uh, No, let me reword this. There was a train track and it was, if you looked straight ahead, I mean, you could only see just like what was ahead on the road because there was uh, trees on both sides. And uh, I had never stopped for the train because I was told it doesn't go there. And it was one where it was so ancient, like there, there wasn't railroad lights. Like you have to stop and like look yourself. Mm. So I had driven over that every day for a year and I've never had an experience with a train or even thought there was one, but this one day I'm driving and then I watch in my head, it was like watching a movie that is, it felt like it took like a minute, but it was mere seconds, but I watched my car get totaled by train. Oh my God. And yeah, and I had my son in the car and I'm like, I watched an entire accident happen. So I hit the brakes as hard as I could because I was driving pretty fast. Um, And just like a mere few feet in front of us, the train goes by. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I pull my car off to the side after it passes and I just start crying. 
Cause I'm like, what just happened? Like, I felt like I had an angel with me that day and I, I couldn't, I couldn't explain it to myself. I'm like, I watched this and it was like watching a movie in front of my, like, it was like projected in front of me. I don't even know how to describe it, but it shook me to my core and I'm like, okay, something's going on here. <laughs> um, saved my life, whatever happened, but it was a huge wake up call. And I kind of, <laughs> I was sort of looking for a teacher at this point, like I was opening up to the thoughts of it, but life just kind of took me, took me away from that again. Cause I had to get out of my, my marriage and establish like a better life for me and the kids. So I kind of forgot about it again. And then over time, I'm like noticing people have auras, objects have auras. And I'm like noticing like energy kind of around. It would like start off kind of my peripheral vision and then it just kept developing. I'm like, oh my goodness, I have a brain tumor. <laughs> so, <laughs> I went to doctors. The worst. <laughs> I thought so I went to the doctors and I went to like I got referred to a neurologist they did brain scans everything's fine they sent me to a neuro ophthalmologist as well to like check everything out <laughs> um they there was like one diagnosis which is called visual snow mm -hmm. but it didn't explain any of the auras so like I I see visual snow there's like a tug of war between the spiritual communities and the medical communities yeah. over what it is like if you asked a shaman they'd say you're like seeing past the veil mm -hmm. because like I, you could like see color swirling or I mean everything's always kind of like fluid in my vision if I if I choose to tune in it's like kind of like it's like five percent being on psychedelics is what it feels like <laughs> very interesting um but I, I, I can turn it off like I choose not to see that way, but if I, if I want to, it's just like a, a minor tune in. So, you know, I'm telling the doctors all this too. <laughs> um, but there, there is a term visual snow. So there, there is a tug of war between that, but then we are trying to rule out the auras around people because it did not fit into the diagnosis at all. Mm -hmm. So we did all these different slides and stuff to be like, do I have an aura here, here? And he put like people in front of me. So it was really fun because they were like, we don't have an explanation for this. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, now I can say I can see this. So I wanted to rule out the medical causes. Yeah. So that was another thing. So I'm like, all right, I, I know I'm really intuitive. I can definitely feel I'm empathic. And now, you know, my physical reality looks strange and like, I, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I need to find teachers. And it was actually through like the meditation groups that I found. It was like slowly one teacher after another would come in. And I was, as I was learning about like, say the, my gifts that I have, it was, it was interesting because I really, I, like I knew I was clairvoyant because of like seeing images and things. But then I would have like dreams and they would happen the next day and it just kept happening and happening and happening. And um, I just was like, how do I even, what is the point of all of this, right? Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. Like I felt like I was just losing my mind in this like spiritual world of like, you know, precognitive dreams. People are glowing. Um, I would have spirit visits. Uh, in my dreams and they would like come hang out with me and like almost we were like kind of like training or talking or 
they would like show me this past life or that one and I'd be like it's time to wake up and train we've done this before and um so I was having these these precognitive dreams spirit visits all of this stuff life was just starting to get like really synchronistic but I, I was like I need there needs to be a reason for all of this so I started practicing with like tarot cards and I, I signed up for a site where I actually paid to do readings for people um, and they would give me like anonymous feedback but I needed a place to like channel the energy because <laughs> I'm like I don't know what the purpose of all of this is right if I'm not helping people with it so it just kind of started there and so the tarot readings led to me just sitting there with like a pen and a paper before the readings and like maybe I can just maybe I could just guess the information and like tune in and that would be correct. And then I would, you know, get rid of, and then I eventually got rid of the cards and it was like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write this down. And then it led to, you know, one-on-one -on -one video readings that I would do. I, I practiced like for free for two years, wow. really playing with my abilities and gifts. And when I felt like I had kind of plateaued, like a teacher would show up and then I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to enroll in this course. And learn learn this style in this way and I just kept it was kind of it was all about getting the experience mm -hmm. and and getting to know how information comes in with me and being in situations where you get feedback because I mean you like I think meditation is phenomenal but when it does come to like say opening up your gifts I think we become confident in our gifts when we get validation from people that are like oh my goodness yeah. how did you know that <laughs> or um like yeah psychics tend to doubt themselves at the beginning <laughs> because they're like oh is that am i really like thinking that am i making it up that's the thing am i making it up or is that true and when you, you you're right when you get the validation it's like oh no yeah okay i have to trust myself i have to trust that what it's channeling through or what i'm seeing or what i'm hearing it's the truth it's what it's supposed to be so wow that's amazing <laughs> Yeah, it it is really, really cool. And uh, this is why I've opened up an intuitive support group that I'm going to be hosting monthly to do like a teaching and I'll open up in like a really safe container. Um, because I think discernment is really important. I'm more of like a, a shadowy light worker. So I want to have like a safe place where we can talk about everything in the spiritual landscape. So we are knowledgeable and empowered mm -hmm. and uh, set people up to practice. So I'm kind of trying to like create this space of like exactly what I would have wanted for me yeah. when I was learning because it, yeah, like it took me two years to develop a style and I'm still learning. Like spirit will lead me constantly for different ways to read. And it, it started out with just like clairvoyant, like seeing images in my head. And then I started hearing things and then I could feel in my body. And then it's like the images went from being in my head to like projected. So it's almost like you see it outside of your head. Like the way that your gifts develop over time is so unique. And it's it's not that they were never there. It's just we didn't know what we were looking for. It's very subtle. It's like when you experience Reiki energy for the first time or you can feel a chakra, you're like, this is so palpable, but like I, I never could feel this before. So I think it's just about like peeling back the layers. Having a good teacher, I think is really important because I did a lot of silly things when I was like beginning to open and I'm a huge advocate for discernment and safety 
because I, I do see a lot of like in the, in the new age practices, people are just opening up and they're not really using like a, a direct line to like the highest information because when we just open up anything can come and talk to us and that's a whole episode by itself but you need to the discernment and the boundaries big time yeah it's very important and I think that's what sets me apart from a lot of teachers because when I was opening up in the beginning there was like in one of the mediumship groups I was in we weren't allowed to talk about anything quote-unquote dark or (laughs) scary like it was like a huge no-go zone not allowed to utter it but yet we would just open up to anything Mm -hmm. so I think it's really really important that uh, those discussions are had and that everybody just uh, when we're playing in these realms we just know exactly what to look for and how to, you know, how to question a spirit, things like that, because it does make a difference. And, and I have a lot of respect for the spiritual realms. And I feel like through my unique initiation into being a spiritual teacher, that was like foundations for me. So I'm like, cool, this is what I'm going to help people avoid when they come to me. <laughs> so <laughs> we're just gonna, you know, dive into it right off the hop and go into it just feeling very confident in ourselves in the information that comes in and in the spaces that, that we are in where where our information is coming from wow i love this i love your journey i love how everything has led you to owning your truth today especially your light and your dark side your past versions of yourself and how you've turned every situation into gold especially working in the adult industry and now I see you as this very sexually and empowered woman in a different way. <laughs> like you are here to lead women into their connects with their own wisdom, connects with their bodies, connects with their minds, their intuition, their gifts. And that is so empowering. Um, I do believe that everybody that's trying to open up their gifts like me <laughs> need to have guidance. Because it can be very scary out there with no guidance, not knowing what to do. And for me, it's like there's days that I would get desperate because I'm like, why isn't it working? Why isn't it opening? And now hearing you is like, oh, you gotta, it's going to take a while. And you have to try different things. And your gifts evolve. I guess the more you are in tune with them, the more they open up and they evolve. Like you said, like it started from vision to your head to now like being projected. So it's like, just be patient. That's, I feel like that's my biggest lesson right now. Be patient. <laughs> be patient. They're going to come. Your gifts are going to come if they're meant to. If not, then they won't. Exactly what you just said. Because I did try to force mine for a while. And it was actually through, I did a mentorship all about shadow healing and forgiveness. And, you know, learning about like doing, doing good acts of kindness in the community like I started volunteering at like a homeless uh, men's shelter and just kind of started to become very grounded and get my footing here and learned psychology and I cleaned up like the clutter in my life like say the the energy leaks right the relationship that wasn't working or the friends that were draining me and I started becoming very conscious and when I was able to have like a one foot firmly planted in the physical a lot of the gifts kind of like easily started opening up in the spiritual because I had a healthy mind that could house the information that was coming in because I feel like there's a lot of responsibility we have when say you come to me and I I'm bringing through say like a 
messages on behalf of God, source, universe, people will take that and it has an entirely new meaning to them than say information from a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I take a lot of um, pride in, in the work that I do and how grounded it must be so that I don't take somebody and, and let them get too high where they, they become so spiritual. They, you know, they're, they're ungrounded. So I, I really like to help people in both realms. And I think when you are in service too, like I don't use my gifts just for like me. Like I have a daily dedication to, to the higher power and, and say that like I am in service. Please let me use my voice, my influence well. And it, it feels like they, they, they've taken like an extra liking to like that kind of path to really help you. And that's why like, I'm always hanging out with spirit. They're ha helping me in my dreams and in my readings. I'll, I'll get like a nudge to be like, okay, we're going to shift it and change it this way. And the same with my courses and the, the path that I'm on. I just, I just move when I feel the call to move. And it's, it's an entirely different relationship. Like that's where I kind of take like what I do. It's hard to even say I'm a psychic medium because I feel like I'm more of just like this bridge or a multidimensional healer. But a lot of it came about when, you know, I'm working through like the forgiveness work and, and things like that. That was when my gifts opened because I stopped trying. And my, my mission was to help people. And that's when it was like everything just kind of was like set up. So I have like a daily communication to be led with God. <laughs> and, and I feel like that's really um, the foundation that got me here is like co-creating my life with a higher power and learning with my, about my gifts with the higher power. And uh, I think, I think it's just been a really unique experience. Like other people will have different stories and different opinions on how you do this, but this has just been my, my unique path that I really feel like, you know, has, has been really impactful. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I feel like you're such a multi-dimensional healer and powering witch. <laughs> you're like, all. are you a manifesting generator? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah you're everything. You're good. You're, you can be everything. It's fine. <laughs> I'm a generator, so it's more like, no, I kind of like do have to be one thing somehow. <laughs> so you're fine. You're fine. But I am so happy that I was able to have this conversation with you. Um, and you're so empowering. I loved, I cannot get enough about how you turn every situation into gold. And now you're using everything to help others and to help women lead them into connecting with their wisdom and really being, being empowered. That's what it is. So one last question that I have for you is what is your truth? Who is the real you? If you were to drive yourself to someone, like underneath all the conditioning, programming, stories, everything. Who is the real me? Well, I would say to that, I do not know. Because every day I learn more about myself and who I was yesterday doesn't come with me today. And each day is like a new slate for getting to discover who I am. And what I like and it's it's really the grace of being a fluid fluid human being and uh, a humble student to the universe 
That is yes. a <laughs> so like that every day I have an undefined G so every day is like who am I today like who am I I feel like I evolve and I'm different every single day so that is such an honest answer thank you so much for that you're so welcome <laughs> so how can people connect with you contact you work with you and all of the things yes so you can find me at the empowerment witch on Instagram and all of uh, my offerings will be in the link tree and I also have a podcast. It's uh, just kind of getting its legs. I've got a few episodes out. And uh, that is the Empowerment Witch Podcast. And you can find that in Linktree as well. It's on Spotify and a few other platforms. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your light, your truth, all of you with us today. I really appreciate you. And I can't wait to watch your journey evolve and get to know you more and thank you so much for being here thank you so much thank you so much for being part of this conversation for feminine truth podcast this podcast is for you for me for us for the feminine collective thank you so much for spending your time and energy with us share on instagram and facebook stories what resonated with you and if you're listening to this and for anyone to get a hold of this podcast at feminine truth podcast and if you feel called to leave us a review let us know your thoughts let on, let us know how this has felt for you listening to the podcast and the episodes are going to be every tuesday so i cannot wait to see you next time sending so much love